ATV Talk, the podcast. Sit down with your host industry professional, Leonard Duncan, as the men and women from the ATV world bring their behind-the-scenes stories to life. Every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And remember, dream big. It could be your story one day. GBC Power Sports Tires, a division of Green Ball Corp, has been producing industry-leading tires for ATV side-by-side market for over 25 years with tires like Mongrel, Dirt Devil, Terramaster, XC Master, Dirt Commander, and Groundbuster. They have a tire for your application. Top racers from GNCC, Works, and Best in the Desert rely on GBC Power Sports tires. So why shouldn't you? Go check them out at gbctires.com to see the full line of tires they offer. Thank you very much. GPR Stabilizer, a leader in steering dampener technology, brings you the new Q5 Sport ATV damper with better control and handling with an upgraded vane and seal system. Go check it out today, www.gprstabilizers.com or call 619-661-0101. Don't forget to tell them ATV Talks Hey. Blair Miller, welcome to ATV Talk. Um, I got to meet you in Ohio. You were part of the press conference. Um, I had no idea that you were going to come. They counted you out. I'm so glad that you did. Um, and I, we really appreciate that. And uh, thank you so much. Yeah, no problem. It was great. It, it was great to be able to talk to you. And I was kind of counting myself out for coming. But as the week went on and I started feeling a little bit better, I was like, ah, can't miss this opportunity. So figured I'd come. Well, that's awesome. You had a doctor's appointment today, I believe, or a checkup. Yeah. So how did that go? Yeah. So, uh, what they're telling, they're not happy with how much I'm moving it, which I'm not surprised at all because, you know, no doctor's going to tell you to move your shoulder <laughs> immediately after surgery, but I've been back to work this week, um, doing concrete stuff, just being driver and that type of good stuff. Um, and I got about another three to four weeks in the sling. Um, after that, uh, I want to start PT. He's trying to get me to start PT before there's a me and my mom are confused on if he wants us to start PT soon or uh, sooner or later, we're going to get that figured out here in a little bit, but yeah, no, it's, I'm still in denial that I'm injured. Not surprised because I'm in denial about a lot of things. And this is one of them. <laughs> so um, did you have orthoscopic surgery or did they go in and yeah, I had it a number of years ago and they told me three to six months recovery. Oh yeah. Four days after surgery, I was shipping ex exhaust pipes. <laughs> My brother had went out of town and we had orders that had to ship and I shipped and lifted and did all kinds of things. And I, I remember, you know, if you went in and, Oh, you haven't went to uh, therapy yet. Have you? No, I have not. Well, the day after surgery, they took me into this to the therapist guy and I'm sitting on the chair. Right. And they make you, move your arm and everything. And then he says, Hey, how can you straighten your arm? And I like straighten it up. And he's like, Oh my God, stop. Oh, you're going to hurt yourself. And I'm like, dude, it doesn't hurt. What are you talking about? 
No, we were asking. We weren't telling you to. <laughs> you told me to figure how far could I move it? You know, I'm I was like, I was like in the 90 percentile of movement day one. Jeez, oh Pete. And and he goes, You see that lady sitting over there? She's been coming here for freaking three months and she can't even lift her, but she can't even move her arm. Oh. And I'm just like, wow, that's horrible. I got shit to do, man. I can't do it. I got I to gotta go, man. Exactly. And that shows what mental willpower over things can do. Oh, like, yeah. I didn't think it would be this serious. I thought I was still going to be racing at Sunset Ridge. You know, my mom was, or my parents, they were both like, Hey, you need to go get this MRI. You need to, we need to get this stuff done to make sure that your shoulder isn't foobard. And no, and I was just like, and I'm like, oh, no, it's not that bad. Oh, I'm getting range of motion back. Don't worry. It's all right. No, no, it really wasn't that. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, brother. I I uh, fell off in Idaho in 04. And um, 10 years later, I found out that not only did I dislocate my shoulder at that time, I broke my shoulder. But oh. just 10 years to go to the doctor and I've lost some motion and some strength and yeah, go, if you, whoever's listening to this, if you're young and you get hurt and you fall off, go to the doctor, get yourself mended, get back on, get back in shape. Um, Braden show fell. If you're listening to this, you know, make sure you get yourself healthy. Your, your shoulders are important and, and very important in racing. So. Um, oh, and life as well. They're your arms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, so get yourself healthy and there's life after racing and there's, you know, you want to be able to pick up your grandkids when you're 65 years old, you know, so, um, I can still pick up my grandkids. Don't worry. It's okay. I'm good. Um, but other than that, you were doing well in both classes. You were in third when, when you got off, um, in both classes, the, the pro sport and the pro-am, obviously you dropped out of the top five in one class and were fifth. That's what got you into the press conference. Um, how was the season going until y- you got off? It was not a bad season. Like, uh, we had finally getting, gotten our bike down, which is a huge key to any sort of success is having a really good setup or not just a setup, but it, it helps. And we finally were able after so many years of having that LTR chassis, finally able to get it, get something where I'm not only comfortable, but I'm aggressive. Like I feel way better, way smoother on it than I have previously. Um, we did some testing down at Decker's this off season, uh, two yeah we went down twice we left our trailer down there for over a month or so they they're great people and uh a week before daytona we went down and just did some testing with different motors and stuff just to get everything nice and broken in and um went to daytona not really expecting much <sighs> qualified i think 13th but it, the tracks uh I, I wouldn't say that i'm gonna catch myself before i actually fully drop that they did the best of what they could with what they had. The track was just swamped, but it, it was cool to be there. I, I would like to say I'd go there again. If, uh, you know, they made it a little bit more racy and a little bit more quad friendly, but it's, it's Daytona. You're down there, right? Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. Finished up with a third or a second at Daytona pro sport. Um, got a really good hole shot, followed music for a little bit and just decided to not run my stuff as hard as I can because it's a mud race and we don't got unlimited, we don't got unlimited motors. We don't got unlimited bearings. Like 
the stuff we have is, you know, very limited on how, how, how should I say this? How much money you can spend. Exactly. Exactly. And blowing it in a mud race, going all I can going full tilt and just abusing our stuff. Isn't we can't do that. <laughs> so, um, in the mud races, I've just been trying to take it easy on all or on what we got, uh, Texas. Yeah. I've only been riding the quad at the nationals, which probably has something to do with iron man, but whatever. Um, Texas pro sport. Can't remember, uh, I got third in pro sport at Texas. Um, track was beautiful there. That felt great. Sunday I won somehow pro-am that was hard. That was, pro- that was the moto that I'm going to be honest. It broke me. That was the hardest moto I've ridden in my life. My hands were torn apart. I thought I was going to die that entire last lap. And then there was another lap. (laughs) Why was it so hard? The track got really, really square edged and chewed up. So you're still going, how should I say this? The track still flowed like it was in practice, but it was a bazillion times rougher. I don't understand how it got, like, if you looked at the track, it didn't look that rough, but when you were out there, it got gnarly rough as in square edges, deep holes randomly, just really hard, hard hits all the time. And I ended up tearing like first time. And again, another first time in 16 years type thing. I tore like my hand wide open uh, and the palm of my hand and all my knuckle or uh, what is that? You know, the area callus area. Yeah. The callus area, all that just torn right open. And yeah, <laughs> that took a lot. Uh, and then Aona pass. Uh, had a pr- I could have had the overall if I didn't let Launderville pass me in Moto One. Wish could have had the overall, you know, shoulda coulda woulda, shoulda coulda woulda, shoulda coulda woulda. Uh, had the pro am win, but ran out of gas on the last lap. How do you run out of gas on the last lap? Well, we're a little different and we have our gas tank in the back and usually we kind of cut it fairly close when it comes to fuel consumption and all that good stuff. And they ended up running us long in Moto One, uh, a lap long in Moto One. And my dad said, when I got back to the trailer, there was barely any gas in the gas tank left, which is cool. I mean, that was, we were cutting it close, but we didn't take an account for when we were doing the site lap. Apparently I used more gas in the site lap because we did one less lap in moto two, but we had the site lap. So I used just a half a track's worth of gas too much on the site lap and ran out literally half a lap to go on the last lap. That's heartbreaking, but you learn, but you learn, but it is what it is. Went back to the drawing table. That was the first time ever when we had these uh, YZ motors with the gas tank in the back that we had a run out issue, never ridden, run one completely dry to the point, like in a race situation ever till, you know, this year. Maybe you're riding harder. Maybe <laughs> that's what we took it as, um, you know, just abusing the quad a little bit more on the throttle a little bit more, maybe. Um, and then the next weekend after that what was the race after Aona. It was, was it high point? I think so. I think- I think it might've been high point. Yeah. Hold all the hole shots at high point. Uh, and then moto two had a little, you know, scorpion incident uh, in the second quarter, which kind of got rid of the hopes for pro sport win, but you know, it is what it is. It's racing. It, whatever. Um, 
and I got it in pro-am and yeah, no, it's, it's been a season of, you know, moments of like, okay, okay, we're doing this. And then <laughs> a heartbreaker. All right, we're doing this. All right, a heartbreaker. How, how did you get into ATVs? So my dad, uh, my dad and mom were into it way, way back in the day, like early, eh, about mid, mid 2000s, like 2006, 2007. And uh, they thought it'd be a great thing to get me into. They were going to get me into the dirt bikes, but uh, they got into contact with Bill Hicks, who's a DRR little dealership guy. And he got us a little uh, single front A-arm DRR 50 way back in the day. And that's what I started riding on. Um, my dad in 2009 got a brand new YFZ. My mom had a carb YFZ for hot, well, for a while. She did pretty good on that. Um, and for, and that's <laughs> had a moto four badger way back in the day, uh, would ride that in the trails around here. And yeah, it's been a long road. Jeez. Oh, beats brother. There's no way back in the day for you. Oh, but it's way back in the day for me, relative too, to my lifetime. You're, you're too young for way back in the day. Oh, whatever. It back in the quads. It a different time. They still didn't a different have time. quads when I started. <laughs> okay, so, so that's way back in the day. You, you know what? Are you you're 19 years old. Yeah. Yeah, you're still a baby. It's. <laughs> Uh, so, so you guys did a little bit of local series racing on the little, on the little quads. Did you go to the nationals or come to the nationals when you, uh, were racing the, the, the little stuff? I did a couple nationals on my 70 and my 90 mod, but seriously, all the way up until 2018, nothing serious. I would never actually do these and I would probably be top eight ish <laughs> depending on how it would go. And, uh, me and my buddy, Mason Jackson, he was like a, he's a still kind of a youth prodigy going through the national ranks, has crap ton of national titles and stuff. He would be a good one to talk to you, you know, interested in talking to some more Michigan people. Um, but he, he and I used to battle and at locals, it would be back and forth between the two of us constantly. And, you know, we'll go to the nationals and he would be out front and I would be way in the back of the pack. It's just kind of, you know, we knew it just never worked out for me going to the nationals at a young age. And uh, until 2018 at Ironman, um, we went to the nationals just to try it out. And uh, I remember, I think it might've been either the first moto or second moto hole shot. My dad's like lining me up next to Bryce Ford. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing? Like, I don't want to be here. Like, this is a terrible spot. And he's like, no, no, just, he's going to go. He's going to be like a quad length in front of you and just tuck behind him. I'm like, oh, yeah, that'll work. And I did said thing and got like third on that whole shot. And uh, I think I might've got a third and 250 mod and a fifth and um, youth all-star or something. And that kind of just started snowballing from there because now I felt like I had a place there at the national scene and uh, got my first national win. I think I actually had a national win back in like 2016, 2015 at that Soren Eagle race. There was nobody there. There was only one in the class, but um, you didn't have to tell us that. Well, I mean, it, you know, figured I'd throw that in. Soren Eagle was a cool place. I wish they would do something again like that. So, so you've you've been bouncing in and out for a while. 
And 18 is where you really started taking it seriously and starting figured out that you could ride a quad with all these fast guys. Yeah, exactly. I finally figured out or got the confidence down that, hey, I can do this. You've been doing it for this long. You can contend at this level. So you and I had a, a conversation at the track and I love to talk about different builds and ATVs and all kinds of different stuff. Um, you know, some of the, no offense to what you have, but some of the strange things that I've seen and heard, um, your build really intrigued me because you're the only one at the track running a YFZ 450 F or a YZ 450 F in a LTR style chassis, which with the gas tank in the back, I mean, th th this to me is, is unheard of. And I just was really intrigued by that. Um, and the Yamaha motor puts out a bunch of power too, doesn't it? Oh yeah, no, they're a really solid motor for what they are. They have a, uh, they're a heavier motor in general over the CRF and literally any other bike motor. That's why the Yamaha is just a tad bit heavier. Um, when it comes to the dirt bike shootouts and stuff is because the motor itself has more material in it. The transmissions are made just a little bit stronger. The cases are made just a little bit stronger. Everything's just a little bit stronger and it helps out tremendously where in a quad application. And for somebody like me, I'm not a hard, like I'm in denial that I ride the quad hard. I don't think I ride the quad hard. The motor doesn't seem like it's struggling. Nothing seems like it's working too hard, but it, the package has worked for us great for uh like six seven six years who came six up with, who came up with the concept to use that engine so we originally had a five valve carb 250 motor in that uh, i think it might have been a 2009 250 motor in it uh when we bought the quad we bought the quad and it was just a walsh front end ltr everything else with a yamaha motor in it but the mounts were all jigged sideways and it was kind of a backyard build so we went through and did it better and as i started getting faster and faster on the 250 i was just abusing that thing to the point where i couldn't go any faster that was it like i maxed out that poor five valve head and uh we got talking with a local guy uh through i think it might have been through lance rayner who's also one of our really good local motor builders um he uh, eddie morris he had scott champions supercross motor um because he used to race this uh, back way back when um, the Supercross, yeah, the AMA Supercross stuff. And we somehow, through these line of people, got that 250 motor, that Vortex, that ECU, all that stuff. And within the span of two weeks, we put the backwards head motor in the quad chassis, had one of our local guys, uh, Luke Adams from uh, Pioneer Welding Designs. He uh, made us up a gas tank so we could go racing. Literally the next day, at twisted after we got everything squared away and from there it's it's been night and day difference it's always been kind of like our little weird trick like what do you got in that that's not it's not normal what you, what you doing and um you know we've made some revisions on chassis development this past off season but no the package the package works great for us i i love it i wouldn't change it um I've ridden YFZs in the past and I like the way YFZs feel, but nothing could beat the way that I feel at home, at least on this new chassis of mine. Great. Well, let me ask you this, Blair, because you're in the pro-am and the pro sport, your next level is the pro is production. Yeah. Okay. 
what do you feel about the stock R chassis? I don't mind it. I, I don't mind it. I think it's a great chassis. I think it's a great platform. Um, it's just we don't have as much R and D behind the the YFZ as we do our weird YZ, all that weirdness that we got going on over here. It's just the YFZ. It seems like it would be a. It's a bigger. It's a bigger guy chassis. It's not you know 140 pound me. I don't know. I haven't raced a fully race built YFZ to actually feel how they would feel race to race setup, I guess, pros to cons compared to what I currently got, but I wouldn't be, I'm not opposed to it, but for the time being now, I really want to stick with what we got. Do you think it's going to be counterproductive for you that first year to roll into the pro class and, and be riding a production machine and not be on your hybrid? Ah, I don't think so. I, I I genuinely don't think so because I've ridden uh, YFZs. So the very first time I've ridden a YFZ was Kirk Karam's YFZ 450R at Big Air. And the first lap, I was hitting all the jumps that nobody else was hitting, but I was only hitting on my quad. I was hitting it on this YFZ and the, it felt pretty good. I didn't mind it one bit. Now it would take me probably a year to actually get back to where I would be on the hybrid. but I don't know. I don't think it would be that bad of a jump, but it's just not something that we're interested in doing at the moment. So that brings me back to the pro stock class. Do you think that would have been a huge benefit for you to have a stock machine to ride for a season or two in that class to groom you into going to the pro class? Yeah, no, it sucks that they got rid of that class, but uh, I mean, I kind of understand for time reasons, but still it sucks. Cause that class was always a fun class to watch. I kind of wanted to ride in it knowing where I would be probably the top eight top, you know, but just to have my hat in the mix, it's it, at that point, it's spec racing. The stock classes were spec racing. It's rider versus rider type stuff. And I'd have loved to have been a part of that. Yeah. They say that Max Lindquist's role into the pro class was made easier because of that. Oh yeah. No. And he was riding the YFZ back before he was 16, just doing some private training and stuff. I think he might've been training with Ween and back before he was 16, something like that. I'm not sure exactly. Don't quote me on that, <laughs> but yeah, getting R and D down on the Yamaha and he looked way fast on that. Still back then he looked way fast on that. Didn't he win the, did he win the pro-am class on uh, the stock chassis Yamaha? his last year in, in, in that class before he went pro. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was him and Decker going at it. I um, thought he won every race. Yeah. Something like that. I mean, that's when Zach also had uh, his, his hybrid. That bike was a fast bike. God, those bikes were fast. <laughs> I was, I was really impressed. You know, when I, when I walked through the pits, not to take your time away from you, but when I walked through the pits and I talked to, um, Everybody. I mean, I got to see Chad. I got to see Mark Baldwin. I, I got to see the Ford brothers, you know, and I spent some time with Restrelli. Um, I got, I finally chased Brandon down at, at some point. Uh, he was hiding from me. I don't know why. <laughs> um, you know, I got to talk to Nick. Uh, and there's a couple of the pros that I didn't get to talk to, and I feel bad about it. Um, but I just ran out of time one of the things that impressed me is the speeds that the middle pack are going. Oh yeah. 
No, it's definitely been stepped up these past couple of years in the pro class. I've noticed like, it's not such like back in 18, 19, back when I first came, uh, T Brown was still in it and it was always Joel and Chad 20 seconds out. Then there would be Thomas massive gap, then the rest or Thomas and Jeffrey. And then, you know, it, and that, t- that pack has gotten tighter to Chad and Joel now, which can only mean good things in the future, right? Good racing in the future, in theory. Well, I know that Nick, uh, the brief conversation I had, he was a little frustrated with some of his finishes. And then I got to watch the race, and I'm looking at the speeds that the the three to five riders that he's spending in in that group with that that could rotate easily. Where you're, yeah. he's in third or he's in seventh, you know. I mean, you you. Uh, are it's where you come out mostly on the fin on the start is to where you are in the pack. If you get lucky and pass somebody or they make a mistake or you just are doing better that day, uh, your finish will get better. But man, that mid pack, those guys are on the gas. Um, Well, it's, it's like uh, the pro class is the best of the best. It's boiled down all the years of all everybody, all the champions have boiled down to the pros. So you're going to have everybody that has a crap ton of experience in there battling over the same inch. And it's ridiculous what those guys even are capable. Like I'm impressed (laughs) and I write and I could write, I could probably jump in the class and, you know, probably throw my hat in the mix for a little bit, but those guys are just on a totally another level. Well, your your training is going to change your, your motor package is going to change. I mean, there's just a lot of things that are going to change almost immediately because you're going to have to step your game up, you know, riding mm-hmm. it harder and, and developing your machine, you know, because you're going to be a little behind the eight ball. I, I really don't think you'll be that far behind because there's so many of those machines out there and there's so many of the guys that are building them that, and everybody, basically there's not secrets. There's not too many secrets that, you know, aren't just going to happen. You know, they're not just going to come out with them. Yeah. Everybody has the same plot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. If somebody's really doing something that crazy. They'll be going to dominate, you know, and Joel is dominating, but it's more because Joel is just a notch above right now. Yeah. I don't. Joel is another level. Both Joel and Chad are still on another level. It's ridiculous. I, Spent saw Joel down there at uh, Decker's a little bit. Talked to him for quite a little bit, and he's a great dude. Do you what? What kind of training program do you have? It's mostly riding, and because I work concrete for uh, Ron Jackson, you know Mason Jackson's dad. Uh, that's basically my training. I work and do that stuff, but right now it's kind of put on pause. So driver and that good stuff, but that's mostly the training. I plan on. Uh, once this gets healed up and doing PT, doing more moving, I actually can start, you know, focusing a little bit more and spending a little bit more time on working on the areas, you know, going back and film, looking at like, why did I, why did I stutter step there? Why did I, why did my body shift just that little bit differently? Uh, in a sense, I'm, I like being my biggest critic. I'm my own biggest critic, I guess. And uh, I look at these areas that I'm, you know, lacking strength in and try to work on that. So and some it, gym work, you know, things like that and, and, and maybe riding a little more or yeah. a little more aggressively. Yeah. 
I have a dirt bike. I ride the dirt bike around here locally way more than I do the quad mostly just because we only have the one quad. We only have that one quad. Do you do a shakedown moto before you go to the track or do you, the first time you throw your leg over the track for practice is uh practice right on Friday. Yep. That's about it. Really. I, we have, we don't do anything. We didn't, you know, we don't totally rebuild the quad in between rounds. I mean, I tried to do the best I could like plastics off, clean everything, make sure everything's, you know, nice and tight and uh, check everything over for cracks, you know, drop the oil, do this, that, the other thing, but mostly our stuff doesn't really change from round to round. <laughs> it's the same stuff. And, you know, we're not going from a uh, uh, hard packed New York track to a deep sand Michigan track. So we don't have to change the setup very much. Are you going to, in the downtime with the arm, are you going to get the other quad going? Maybe, maybe not. We're focusing right now on catching up on life things, you know, catching up around the house, doing this type of uh, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Uh, my dad's working. He does on the side of after being a landscaper at MSU, he's um, works on trucks. And right now we have a couple of trucks in the garage that he's building for a couple of a uh, couple of our buddies, close family, friends and stuff. And um, once he gets those wrapped up and done here in the next month or so, we'll be able to start getting the quads getting or getting the one quad at least prepped out for whenever I ride next and then maybe get another one started. We had two last year. Um, and it's, it's hard getting two quads the same and it doesn't matter. Every, every, every bolt can be exactly the same and they're still going to have two totally different feels to it. To a point, I agree with that to a point. I agree with that because you're taking things like tires and shocks that have a small variance to them. Um, and you, you may get a set of shocks that you really like and they're valve the same, the same oil, the same springs, but that one set of shocks is the ones, mm-hmm. that you, love, you know, they're just broken in just enough. The the oil in them's just broken down enough. Yeah. Or whatever it is, you know, I mean, um, one of the guys I used to help in Baja had a set of shocks and when I wrote them, dude, I thought they were horrible. <laughs> he loved this set of shocks. He made me put the, that set of shocks. Like if I was going to send them and have him service, he said, no, put them on my, my pre-runner. And we would take them off the pre-runner and he'd want to put them on the race bike. Oh, and I'm like, no, <laughs> you haven't let me service them in thousand fifteen hundred miles dude come on dude your rear shock oil is it's not oil anymore i don't even know what it is it's not oil it's Stop. paste it, it, paste it's nitrogen uh, paste yeah some evolution happened uh i don't know if you know who doug roll is but doug roll got yeah. involved and, and talked him into doing some changes and that was the that was the good thing but that was the funniest that was the funniest the ra- the, the other racers are like no we don't want to run those shocks <laughs> Uh, but you know the fun stuff like that i mean you can always make them close you know and with that combination you have uh, i mean uh, hopefully i'll be able to come back there when you're riding again so i can get to see it in motion um it 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 was a very intriguing conversation and i didn't even get to really see the machine that well um you know there was just not enough time you know just not enough time yeah, that's part of it too. I mean, it's, you know, 
Right. Your mom and dad didn't come down with you to no. Briarcliff. No, I, okay, this is a terrible son thing, but uh, my mom was telling me I probably shouldn't, which, you know, I was, bully- I, I, I was on her side of it. And then I woke up Friday morning and I was like, you know what? I haven't done anything, like anything in a week. Let me just hop in my manual car real quick and drive five and a half hours down to Briarcliff because I'm about to lose my crap. And uh, yeah. <laughs> well, it, it worked out for you. Did, you know, uh, I asked this question, did your mom and dad get to see the press conference? Yes. Yeah, they thought it was great. They're happy. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that the first time you've ever been involved in something like that for racing? Yeah, no, it was crazy. It was great. I, I really think, you know, if, you come back to do more of those. It's a great idea. Uh, I would like to, I mean, I'm in the same boat you are when it comes to getting to and from. So uh, I have to work those details out to, to get there. You know, I've said it a million times, Jeremy Osborne really reached in deep and helped us pull it off by getting this, the golf course, uh, going to the golf course to, to, to set it up, uh, to make sure we had the internet connection to, uh, the quiet room that we had. Um, you know, technically there wasn't supposed to be any, anybody, anybody in there, but there were, there were parents and I think a couple of sponsors in there. I mean, it was a, it was a great deal, um, for you guys. Um, I, I, have you talked to any of the other riders about it or was there any conversations that were had with anybody? I kind of poked at Joey saying he should have came, but, uh, I didn't really talk to many people about, I don't know why, but yeah, no, it, but no, I did. I talked to Aaron about it. He thought it was a really great thing. He, you know, more people, or more people, people think that this should happen more. That's awesome. Uh, did Joey, did Joey explain why he didn't come? He just doesn't want to, he doesn't want to, no, no, I'm, I'm going to sleep. I want to sleep. I want to sleep for tomorrow. Like, come on. <laughs> I, I get it. I get it. But at some point you have to self-promote. Come on, Joe. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Joey Chandler. Have, maybe if I would have got a chance to have a conversation with him, then uh, we would have, maybe I could have changed his mind, you know? I don't know. He's, a lot of people know he's pretty stubborn, but I think you would have probably been able to convince him. Well, you know, I mean, <laughs> I really, really um, enjoyed the group that that came and, and the people that I get to talk to. Um, going back to the Nationals, it didn't feel any different than um, when I was there, you know, in 06, 07, um, and other years before that. So uh, some of the, a lot of the faces had changed, but there were still some of the original, some of the families that, uh, I didn't get to talk to most of them, but they were still there. Yeah. yeah. We've talked a little bit about your future. We've talked a little bit about where you began. Um, we've talked a little bit about your injury, um, your favorite place to race. Favorite place to race. Favorite place to race. Uh, gosh. It should be an easy question, but I don't know. I don't, most of the national tracks, thinking. Favorite place to race. Favorite place to race. It's an easy question. It's a really easy question, but gosh, I think, I mean, Redbud, Redbud's all right. Loretta's is pretty all right. Um, 
any of those deep uh, sunsets really good like any of the sandier type tracks i love couldn't make it to that <laughs> just just that you like riding in that dirt consistency oh yeah no i like it when it's a little bit more mobile even though i'm a shorter statured guy it i don't know i that's kind of where it if you hit the ground in the sand it's a lot softer of a landing than <laughs> the hard pack tracks you kind of like you know the sand slows you softly and you know as you hit the berm and hard pack just it's concrete you hit the ground that's it you, you didn't get the memo. You, Say didn't that again? memo. you didn't get the no. memo. No, no, I I must have missed the email or you know missed the letter in the mail saying don't hit the hard pack ground. It that says hurt. shiny side up at all times. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> you know, hold on, hold on. That's that's a good one. <laughs> well, you know, you you're not supposed to fall off. I, I, I no. know. The, Obviously, the, I was doing something wrong. I fell off. That's, part of it what what exactly happened so i was behind i was in fourth and uh came under the bridge and it was second lap but i was up dane's butt the entire moto so my quad was like just absolutely destroyed with mud like easily 80 pounds 80 ridiculous amount and uh my helmet was extremely heavy, but I was, I overshot the double after the bridge, go under the bridge, you got that double. I overshot that just by like, seriously five feet, but it from where I thought I landed to where I actually landed was just that half a second where I wasn't prepared to hit that roller. And I was trying to prop my helmet up with my shoulder. And, uh, what I've been doing over that roller is kind of lifting the front end up, splatting into it and being able to like jump over that roller. And, but it was a mud moto. Everyone's been rolling the hole in that roller. And I just, I don't know. I, I wasn't prepared. I wasn't like, I actually didn't have my hand gripped all the way. I'm assuming because when I hit that, the quad just stopped, like it, it hit the mud and just, and that's what made me lose my grip. And then from there, it just nose dropped. And, you know, at that point I was just a passenger and accepted it completely. Like, Oh wow. I just really foobarred myself on this one. Uh, Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> uh, part of the fun, you know, but you know, if, if, if did I you, wasn't trying, did you think you had a chance to pass? I don't know. I was, I wanted to be there though, just in case the opportunity was presented to me, but I wasn't going to do anything stupid to try to make it happen. I wasn't going to end my own race trying to make it happen, but you know, it's the areas where you don't think are going to bite you, bite you. And that was one of those areas where I wasn't expecting to hit the ground right there, but Oh, wow. You hit the ground right there. Why? Oh, because you had a brain fart. (laughs) The, the extra weight from the mud distracted you most likely. Eh. I don't know. I just think it was a mistiming thing. You know, I mistimed going into that roller and just lost my marbles. That's the, the well, description that's part of about the helmet being so heavy. You're the second or third person that's told me that uh, this year. And I'm just like, damn, I, I don't ever remember racing a race where my helmet was that heavy with that packed with mud. This year has been a gnarly year when it comes to that. It's it's been terrible when it comes to the mud and stuff, but you know the track promoters and stuff they've been doing the best that they can to get the mud off. So there's uh, not really anything you can do besides all right, send it. Make sure that you make sure that you 
keep getting me some information, you know, uh, as I tell everybody else, you know, if you have something that you need to get out there, some a post, uh, or you need help with something, please reach out. Um, we're always able to get it out on our social media and the industry is large, but small all at the same time. Uh, there's people that know people that know people that know people and, and you turn around and there's a guy calling you on the phone going, Hey, I didn't know that you needed that part. Here you go. Or yeah, we're going too, dude. And we're only five miles from you. Come on, jump in and let's go. Uh, so, uh, make sure that you do reach out, you know, if you have any, um, anything at all, don't, don't hesitate. Um, oh, we'll keep in contact. You know, it, it's just something that I like to make sure that I want the industry to grow and I can't make the manufacturers make machines, but what I can do is do my best to promote everybody that I can, um, that I come in contact with, you know, I mean, a week ago, I didn't know you. And we've had some really good conversations and, uh, you know, I think the sport needs representation like you out there talking and being friendly and, and having a good attitude. Um, I don't know that that young man that was, that was talking with us. I never caught his name. Uh, so Corey Osborne, he came over talked to us for a little bit and, uh, I can't remember. There were two people that walked over or was it just Corey? It was just Corey, I believe. Yeah. You know, and unfortunately, so if Corey, if you listen to this, I'm sorry, I didn't catch your name. I didn't even introduce myself. Um, It was a, it was a good conversation. You know, it really was. I got a perspective of what younger, no offense, the younger side has a take on the racetracks and the racing and, and the machines that you guys are riding. And, And that was really cool. It's it's weird because I had a parent come over to me this weekend and just talk to me how about his son looks up to me and stuff. And it, it's wrong. It feels weird. It feels it's so weird. And I'm not saying it's wrong. I, I love it. But it feels like yesterday I was that. It doesn't feel too long ago. I was that. And I'm still that way. I still feel like a kid. I still feel young and all this stuff. But it's like, holy crap. You know, time has flown. Okay, so when I'm standing there talking to Chad Weenan and uh, Joel Hetrick and Ristrelli, it's still fanboy moments, okay? I'm still <laughs> a huge fan, even though that, uh, no offense to anybody out there, I've, I got to work 13 and a half years with the greatest ATV racer of all time. That was Doug Eichner. And mm-hmm. it, it, there's people that will argue it a million different ways, and I don't want to argue it. That's just my opinion. I'm also biased. Okay, got it. I, okay, right. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my bias and we'll go on and, you know, you can have your, you, I'm not taking anything away from Gary Denton. I'm not taking anything away from Chad Ween. And, and, and there's a whole host of other guys that you could talk about um, that, that are just superstars. Joe Bird, uh, John Natale, you know, Doug yeah. Russ, Jeremiah Jones, uh, you know, I can go on and on and on. And I'm probably leaving somebody out and I'm sorry, don't be mad at me, but <laughs> I still get all in, in enjoyment out of meeting and talking to these people because they're, they're just awesome. They do what I, they do what I can't do. And they're in the sport that I love. Mm-hmm. No. And, and self-promotion of the sports, the biggest part of it. 
And that's where we're hurting. That's where we're hurting, uh, you know, uh, when it comes to, you know, Dane came up to me after the, the, after the press conference was over and said, Mr. Duncan. And I'm like looking around for my dad, you know, and <laughs> I, I forget that I'm got white hair and, and I'm 55 years old. Um, so Dane's probably going to get a kick out of that. Uh, yeah, I was, I was just like taken back by that a little bit that, you know, but he was a respectful young man and it was great to, uh, have that interaction, you know, and, uh, everybody, everybody was good. And, and I really had a good time and I, I really enjoy the nationals and I've said it a, a thousand times, a million times, Jeremy Osborne really, uh, r- really reached out there and, and, uh, John Pellin and George Davis came out and helped, uh, helped out with us and, and made it, uh, made it good as well. Uh, John Pellin, you know, ATV scene back when you were a little kid, he was the one that was promoting. He was the one that was out there trying to do it. And and he was fighting hard for you guys, you know, so that you're where you're at today. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Those guys, those are monumental guys in the sport. They are statue figures, I guess. Not, not statue figures now. They're still active people in the sport, but they are the the building blocks of what the sport is now. All those guys, all the guys that you listed, they're all building blocks to where we're at now. I can name names from even farther back. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I just know. Yeah. And then some people that we don't even know also well, had a huge well, factor. Yeah. If you go back and start looking at the history of the sport, I mean, you figure if you raced, let's just say you raced another 20 years, the people that you would have known and that you would have met in the, in the era that they talk about with Chad and Joel, you know, Oh yeah. No, I, I understand. A little bit of air that comes after it, you, you know, you're going to be like, well, I heard of all these other guys as well before. Um, history is super important in you know, I try to get as many of the guys that'll come on that are older, you know, they're my age bracket um, because they have some amazing stories and they freaking chewed some dirt that, that you kids will never get to because the, because the world has changed. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, no, it's, it's, the perspective of society isn't about extreme sports anymore. I don't know what it's focused on. It's such a cluster on what they're trying to focus us on, but you know, it's not on what's actually life pertaining. What's, what's actually cool. Right. Um, but you made a comment earlier in the, when we were talking about the track being rough, I came into the sport when they didn't groom the motocross tracks. Really? They stopped racing. Okay. And the next weekend they had a race there. They watered. And you raced that. So every time they watered, when you went out and practiced, because it was a mud fest in practice, you changed the lines and that's what you raced. So what you set into on, well, let's say Friday, that, that was the weekend's track. Yep. Wow. I can't imagine. I cannot imagine with how gnarly like Redbud gets, how gnarly Loretta's gets, how uh, wow. I can't imagine trying to keep those tracks riding on them pro- 
Pro-Am Moto 2. <laughs> the last Moto, you know, Moto 20 Sunday for 13 plus two. That's ugh. This is the difference between what you believe motocross is and what an older guy like myself believes what motocross is. Um, do you watch the motorcycles much? I do. I've been getting actually pretty deep into the pro motocross and the supercross. You know. Did you watch the first round at Fox? I didn't. I think we were at a race. I think that was uh, sunset. Uh, yeah, that was sunset weekend. I didn't get the Go chance back. to even rewatch it. Go back and watch it if you can find it. It's portions of that are old school motocross. You know? Not like, no offense, Glen Helen, um, not my favorite place to go. It's my home track because it's three hours from here. But, uh, you know, it's a great place to race. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but they groom it every time. I mean, it's groomed. Mm-hmm. Got there every time the pros drop the gate, it's groomed. And you're like, wait a minute. It, it, it's a freeway by lap yeah. or it's not a freeway anymore. But why are we giving them free laps? Let's make them work for it. I mean, these guys get paid freaking lots of money. Come on. Yeah. No, I, Glen Helen. I, that's on, that's a bucket list thing. I want to go to Glen Helen. I would love to partake in the Baja thousand. I'd love to come over and race a couple works races. The, the, the car. I, that's way, way far, far, far away. But you know, that's something that I wouldn't say no to. Uh, when it comes to just expanding, you know, riding opportunities and capabilities and stuff. Um, I haven't got to physically race the thousand or the Dakar, but I've got to work them as far as build machines for them or be involved in it. And uh, the Dakar is a whole, whole new world. Um, You have to get ready for it and, and train for it. And it's a, it's almost a life thing it's not a you know i'm going to prepare for the season it's it's you're going to prepare for a a life adventure for one month of your life that um it's going to take you a year to prepare for it and six months to recover from it and the whole time you're you're recovering you're going to go god i can't wait to do that again you know um I left the first Dakar going, I am never coming back. This is horrible. I, this, I hated it. It was just, it was, it was, it was ah, I can't even tell you how bad it was to two weeks later going, Hey, are we going again next year? You know, um, when's the the plane leaving? Exactly. You know, so those types of adventures, if you get to do them, uh, it's incredible. I mean, there's so many amazing things you can do on the back of an ATV. Yeah. Hey, let me uh, ask you this because you you live in Michigan. How much mm-hmm. of the four by four uh, world goes on? Because you guys do have some wetter weather. Uh, you have snow, mud, time, rain time. How much of the four by four industry is there? There's a lot of side by sides because we have Silver Lake sand dunes up north. Side by sides. I'm talking the four by four quads, like the the you know grizzlies, renegades, that type of stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> it's not really, I don't know. I, yeah, There's not really, I mean, to what I see, there's not really much, but we have trucks gone wild. They come up here like two or three times a year. And that's always a big, big thing. Um, there's quite, uh, I do actually, I do know quite a few people 
that have UTVs and stuff that run them in. Wow. Yeah. No, but it's again, not my world. <laughs> it's, right, I right. it yeah. I, I'm, you see videos of those four bikes going through the mud and I talk to the, uh, New York, um, addicts the 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 trail riders they 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 ride the drive the four-wheel drive quads and they have some utvs they have a few sport quad guys and it was a lot of fun talking to them and getting their perspective of it in new york and um, the one guy there travels south as well to do it and well i think the whole group does so they travel all over the eastern seaboard to to ride uh, four by fours and stuff and i just thought that was that's pretty cool because uh, you know, if I seen a four by four, it'd be lucky. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, there was, we had, yeah. Oh, and this goes with being in the sport for, I mean, to you a short time, but for me, it's been my entire life. And I've known so many people throughout the local series and they get a side-by-side, they run the quad for a while. And then, you know, all right, I'm gonna get a side-by-side. And I know a couple people in particular that got a side-by-side and the side-by-side industry here in Michigan is actually pretty pretty decently big like it's it's massive yeah it's it's a bummer because we lost some we lost some good people Mm -hmm. we lost some uh builders and we lost um you know on the west coast some of it came back through covid Mm -hmm. the demand for atvs and the demand people wanting to ride their atvs again people want to do stuff yeah you know, lock somebody in their house for a week and, and you know, they're going to be out riding their lawnmower, you know, the, the next day, watch out, get out of my way. No, it's snowing. I know, but I'm riding my lawnmower cause I ain't going to be in the house anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right? Well, the weather was nicer today. <laughs> yeah. The sun came out, you know, it's good. Got to mow. <laughs> Brother. It was a pleasure talking with you. And I, and I want to thank you so much for coming on ATV talk. Um, and I want to also invite you back uh, so that at some point that we'll get together and uh, talk more ATVs. I, I loved having this conversation with you. And in general, I feel like we can bounce ideas around pretty good. And gosh, yeah, no, I would not be opposed at all. Like I would drop in a drop of a hat, come back on on this with you. It was a great time. Thank you so much. My pleasure, young man. The team here at ATV Talk would love your feedback. Please email us at hello at ATVTalkPodcast.com. San Diego's Body Evolution and Wellness Center. With over 17 years experience, Dr. Heidi looking out after all your chiropractic needs and Coach PJ looking out after all your fitness needs. Visit our website, www.bodyevolution.org, or call for an appointment, 619-987-8875. Duncan Technologies International. More than 33 years in the industry building racing programs and ATVs around the world. We build winners. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you did, don't forget to rate us on all the available platforms and share us with your loved ones. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook for more ATV Talk News. See you next time.